And it's really good to be with you this morning. Um, Jake, thank you for that lovely uh, introduction a little bit earlier. Jake's a good guy. He's, he's working hard for you here. You know, he's, he's uh, making snacks and playing drums and giving announcements and doing all kinds of good stuff. So thank you for that. My name is Aaron Henning. I'm the lead pastor over at State College Alliance Church. And some of you know this, but some of you may not, that State College Alliance Church was actually the mom church for ACF. So back in 1975, they had a vision because they had all these college students that were coming over to their church. And as the students came and they ministered to them and there's really neat things that were happening, they began to realize, first they were running out of space. They had a little tiny building and they said, we're never going to have a, a facility that would be big enough to minister to Penn State University. So we got to actually take the church to them. And so this church was actually born out of some real incredible vision that happened way ahead uh, of its time. So that's pretty cool. So I actually got the privilege of being the, the pastor here for 11 years, and I'll tell you just a little bit of our story here in a minute. Uh, and then after 11 years of being here, we actually, my wife and I, Amy, moved over to become the lead pastor at that home church. So we have a really neat family that we're a part of. You guys are a part of, whether you realize it or not, you're continuing the ongoing legacy. And that's actually what I want to talk about today. Uh, my wife was planning to be here. We were going to bring our kids uh, along. Uh, we have two kids that are 11 and 7, almost 8. And I actually have a family picture of them here. This is our family. Isn't that a great little picture? Now, I know the picture looks posed, but we actually walk around like that. I just kind of <laughs> grab all three of them, and we just kind of go around. It's really not awkward at all. Uh, but that's Amy, and uh, she was going to be with us. Grant and Max are our two boys. Uh, they were going to be here today, but one of our worship leaders got sick, and Amy is one of our other worship leaders, and so she's filling in at the home church uh, today. Uh, as was mentioned before, Pastor Dan is at the, the home church, and so he's preaching there, and I'm preaching here, so we get an opportunity to be in each other's worlds since we're doing this sermon series together. Does that make sense? Everybody nod if that makes sense. All right, good. So it's good to meet you, good to be with you, uh, and it's exciting stuff. So let, let me just talk for one moment, uh, because something that God put on my heart uh, as I was thinking about getting the privilege to be able to speak into your lives for just a few moments today, and I, I want you to realize, if you can, the significant things that God has done through this group of people. Now, when I say this group of people, I'm referring to people that predated me. And then I actually came through here as a student before I was the pastor here. So God worked in my life in significant ways. And so some of you who are in that place where God's kind of stirring things up, God's kind of rearranging some things in your life. Anybody have God rearranged something in their life yet this year? Come on, raise a hand if God's been rearranged. Okay, this is good stuff. I know it may be painful at times, but this is good stuff. When God is doing that throughout the generations, what he has been doing is really leaving a faithful legacy right here. And you guys are a part of that. But I want you to be able to dream big today, not just in your own personal legacy, but to think about the ministry that you're a part of. I love to just kind of light the fire in your hearts of asking the question, what is it that God would want to do through you? What are the world-changing kind of things that God would want to do through a group like you? And you say, ah, we're just a group of a couple hundred students. What in the world could we do? Listen, throughout the history of this ministry, people have gone out from here. They've been missionaries all around the world. We have right now within our district, because we're part of a denomination, Christian Missionary Alliance, right now within that, this district of eastern Pennsylvania, two of the fastest growing churches are church plants that came out of this ministry. 
Students that sat right where you were sitting and found a call of God on their life, and now they're making an impact on their respective areas, whether it's Philadelphia. Some of you know about City Light over in Philadelphia. That was a church plant that came directly out of here. They just, I just talked to their pastor, who was one of the, again, student like you. He came through here. He was just talking to me a little bit ago. He said, Pastor Aaron, we're getting ready to move from three services in two locations to five services in two locations. Each one of their locations are growing so fast in the city of Philadelphia. They're growing so fast that they've got to add more services. God's doing incredible things. We've got church planners that have come out. We've got missionaries that, are, that have come out of here. People who are absolutely changing their part of the world. And so the question that I would ask as you think about your legacy is what is it that God would call you to do? What is the next kingdom advance that he would want you to do and that would maybe come out of this ministry? You've got great leadership here. You've got great vision. You've got great energy. See what God might want to do with that as we think a little bit about legacy today. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, I love that you guys do this here. Uh, just put up a hand and we've got some people who have a Bible for you. This is just a gift to you. So if you're here and saying, man, I could really use a Bible, something to read through, just raise your hand up. We've got a couple of hands that are there, some folks that will come around to you. And that is your gift uh, from ACF. And you can take that and read it and study it and, and dig into it, including today. We've been looking in Hebrews chapter 11. I know you've been going through this big faith series as well. Big faith in the sacrifice. Big faith in the unseen. Noah. It's a Noah kind of faith. Know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. All right. Now, I just I try to keep in a little bit current on what Dan's doing over here too. Uh Last week, I believe, uh, as Dan was pre preaching to you about Abraham, Abram becoming Abraham and going. So big faith in this, in this notion of going out. And you remember that in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was uh, to receive it as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And if you read that passage, it goes on in verse 9 to talk about, talk about the reality of Isaac and Jacob, those who would come after him. And that's really what I want to lean into today as we talk about big faith in the generations. Now notice that in verse 13 it says that these all died in faith not having received the things promised. So these great men and women of faith that went before us, they actually died, many of them, not having received the full reality of the promise. And you know, I don't want to just encourage you because some of you are waiting today. Some of you are in that place, you're saying, when is God going to finally get around to whatever it is that he was going to do in my life? You know what I mean? And you're waiting, and that's okay. In fact, I think something very uh, deep happens when we learn to wait on the Lord. And that's hard when everything is so instantaneous in our world today. Everything. I want something, I get it immediately. I just ask Siri, and she tells me the answer. You know what I mean? And so we learn to wait on the Lord and understand that that's hard. That's difficult. But we see this in these great faith heroes before us. Look at verse 17. That's going to be our primary text for today of Hebrews chapter 11. And it says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. May God add blessing to the reading of his word this morning. 
The reason I like this passage, the reason I'm excited to share it with you today in Hebrews chapter 11 is that compared to all of the other examples in Hebrews 11, and then sort of by, uh, by way of playing it out, by, by comparison to all the other messages that you'll hear in this series, this one is unique because it tells us that this big faith idea impacts not only the individual and God's plan in their time. So Noah had something they needed to do, and so he did it. Abel had something by faith he needed to do, and he did it. Now we look in this series, and we see that not only is it impacting the individual in their time, but the generations that will come after them. So let me give you a thoughtful moment or two for just a second before we dig into this farther. Thoughtful moment number one is this. My life is not just about me. My life is not just about me. My decisions, just grasp this as best as you can from the place in life where you sit right now. My decisions will affect not just my faith trajectory, but those who will come after me as well. Let me give you another thoughtful moment for just a moment. My life is being affected and to some degree directed by people who have come before me. Some of their stories I don't know very much about. Some of them I have never met. And yet I am a part of somebody else's line. I'm a part of somebody else's legacy. And so as we think about this idea of the, the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and this idea of legacy that you are a part of and the legacy that you will leave, I want to just give you three sort of teachable points as we look at this. The first one is this. I want to encourage you to steward your legacy. Now, this was a good message, especially like for your parents. But for some of you, just take down some notes and this message will make sense to you at some point in your life. But think about this. Steward your legacy. Your life is not an independent entity unto itself. Here we have Abraham, and it says right here in our scripture, he offered up Isaac. Now, just pause on that for a moment and realize Isaac was the promise that this guy had waited for forever. I mean, you look at the, the passages in Genesis, you see the dialogue with God in Genesis chapter 12 coming to Abraham and saying, you are, I'm going to make a whole nation out of you, and through you this seed of blessing is going to be passed that is literally going to impact the entire world. Now, we know from this vantage point that that seed of blessing was actually the promise of the Messiah. Jesus Christ, who we come to worship today, was promised to come as a blessing to the entire world through Abraham. So he knew that the stakes were high. He knew that this promise was huge. And there were times where he has dialogue with God. He says, are you going to fulfill this thing, this waiting piece that we just said, right? He's saying, are you actually going to fulfill this promise? And God says, yes, I'm going to do it. Are you sure you're going to do this? Yes, I'm going to do it. And then he finally has this next generation. He's an old man. He's kind of an old fart and he has a baby, you know? And now with this little baby in his hand, God says, I want you now to offer him back up to me. Now we actually have a very critical question. Some of you will become parents one day, and now we've got to ask ourselves the question. Are our children that we have ours to literally just hold on to and keep for ourselves, or do we steward the legacy and hold with open hands the very promises that God has given us? This applies to more than children, but in Abraham's case, he's literally looking at his child. And thinking, if I offer him up to God, what in the world does that mean about God's sincerity to me? And what does that mean for the promises that he's given me? But he holds that thing very lightly. Now, let me talk for just a moment about stewarding your legacy. I come at this from the perspective as a dad. I realize I'm the minority. The majority of us here are not parents. Few of us, maybe. But as a dad, 
Dads have an interesting way of investing in their kids. Okay, some of you will be dads someday, so maybe just take a couple notes. First of all, when dad gets to watch the little babies at home, uh, anything can happen. Okay, let's just face it. Mom knows what's going on. Dad is kind of the hired help, and who knows what he's going to actually do. In fact, I brought you a couple pictures here. Uh, I don't know if you can see these this well. This is a little baby. Got left alone with dad, maybe just a little too long. Dad got bored, and so, yeah, there he is. That's, that's pretty sweet. I wish I had a thought of that. You know, dads get to do bath time sometimes. You know, you do bath time, and real fun kind of stuff happens there as well. Um, if a dad takes a kid to the hardware store, I guarantee you somebody is going to come up with ideas that were not thought about before. That's a plunger, by the way. Why didn't I think about that? I could carry my, swing my kids around with a little plunger. I hope it wasn't used, but anyway. Uh, dads are inventive when it comes to taking care of the kids. You know, the kid wants to get away. You just kind of tie them up, and that, that looks like it works pretty well. And then this last one is, is just kind of the creative side. You know, if you think that us dads, that we're just a bunch of dumb brutes or whatever, there's sort of an artistic creative side. So some dad was watching his kid and said, wait a minute, that little, that's a little kiwi there on the right side. You're probably never going to look at a kiwi the same way again. I like, I like that picture. That's good. Well, I wish I'd have thought of that too, but I, never, I didn't think any of those things. So you invest in your kids. And you take care of your kids. And now here we have this piece. Please don't miss this. We're stewarding our legacy. Abraham offered up his most treasured earthly thing. So this happened in Genesis chapter 2. And his, his actions in Genesis chapter 2 showed that the promised blessing from Genesis 12 was not more important to him than the giver of that blessing. So Abraham's big test and ours is to steward our legacy well. So again, most of you aren't parents yet, but as you become parents, someday many of you will, statistically speaking, many of you will actually enter into that. Let me actually encourage you this. Can you invest in the next line of generation without holding on too tightly? The world doesn't need more helicopter parents, you know what I mean? And yet I'll tell you why that's hard. When you have that little child, you want so much to protect him or her. You want to take care of them if you love God and you love your kids at all, and yet you realize you can't protect them from every hurt. I remember when, when Grant, who's our oldest son, when he was first born, uh, I had this desire. I wanted to protect him. I didn't want him to get hurt. And then especially as kids get older, they start running around. I remember one time being on the back porch of our house. I think I was doing some electrical wiring stuff, so my hands were full. I look out in our yard, which kind of sits on a little bit of a hill, uh, our, our, our estate. You know, it's 0.33 acres. It's a plot, you know, but it's on a hill. And I, I look and I see Grant... Uh, hurtling down our little hill backwards on his big wheel. You know what I mean? He's just totally lost control. Ah, you know, and going backwards. Slammed right into a concrete thing, and I'm watching the whole thing unfold. This is the worst aspect of parenting, watching your kids get hurt, and you want to be able to help them. And yet God began to speak to me at that early phase and said, Aaron, you are not going to be able to protect him from every hurt and pain. And guess what? And some of you, some of you know this to be true. Doesn't God oftentimes work in your seasons of hurt, in your seasons of pain. So when we think about stewarding the next generation, some of you will have kids one day, instead of holding them on so tight, we've got to be able to hold them with open hands before God. But we've got to be serious about making that investment. Now you're saying, why are we talking about parenting? You know, we're not going to be parents for a long time. Can we do this without holding on too tightly? Can we do investing in the next generation without making an idol of our kids? You know, I would say that some of you right now are undoing some of the difficulties that have been thrust upon you. Why? Because your parents made you the center of the universe. 
Maybe your parents did that. And maybe now God is trying to say, hey, guess what? I'm trying to get you out of that seat because that's actually the seat that I want to sit on in your life. So instead of a me first kind of approach, so we got to invest wisely. We got to invest without trying to live vicariously. I don't know if any of you have parents that try to live their glory days through you. Has anybody had that experience? Don't raise your hand. I'll bring your parents out right now and you know, I'll make you talk about it. But some of you have experienced that. You know, your parents want to live their glory days through you. And I've seen that or experienced that. And I said, okay, God, you know, we've got to invest well without doing that. And then we've got to invest well in the next generation without smothering them with overboard affection. I remember being with a, a youth group. I actually did some youth ministry when I got out of my Penn State world here. I actually went to Penn State University, met my wife, actually met my wife in this room. Just like a special sacred place right here. That's what I got to say. But after I got out of school, I went in to do some youth ministry, and we were doing this uh, junior high Christmas caroling event, and uh, kids were getting bundled up. It was wintertime. We're getting ready to go out, and one of the moms was there, and her son was in sixth grade. Sixth grade is kind of a weird time in the life of an individual, right? Because you're not a little kid anymore, but you're not really grown up, and so there's kind of this weird kind of mismatch of things going on. So mom was there. She was helping with things, and she had all these cookies and the kid was so bundled up, he was like, Does, do you guys know the Christmas story? You know, I can't put my arms down. Yeah, that's a classic. We all know that, right? So he's bundled up like that, and he's going out the door, and she says, honey, honey, come back. And so he comes back to her, and he's standing there with mittens on and like this with his mouth open, and she's feeding cookies into his mouth, you know what I mean? And I just thought, my goodness, I'm not going to get in the middle of that, but at some point in that child's life, that's going to have to change just a little bit. So how do we invest in the next generation without smothering them with overboard affection? But here, listen, let, let me just help you. If, don't, don't lose me on this because most of you don't have kids. But this is why parenting is the ultimate act of giving. Because when we do it right, we aren't doing it to fulfill our own needy souls, but rather to raise up a responsible man or woman who is ready to live in this world on mission for Jesus in healthy relationships with you, with parents, with others, and think about this reality just in this, this place, in this moment. Abraham offers up, he stewards his legacy. He says, I'm not going to hold on to my gift above the reality of what the giver has given me. So he, he stewards his legacy well. And we could say of Abraham, God would look at him and say, now I know that you love me, for you did not withhold your beloved son. And before we move on from that, let's draw the parallel and realize that we can stand on this side of the cross and we can look at our Heavenly Father and say, now we know that you love us because you did not withhold your only Son from us. So there's something very beautiful about stewarding our legacy well. Now here's where I think it really could kind of get some traction in your life today. Not only do you steward your legacy, and many of you will, will pass those tests when you get to them, but you've got to study your legacy. I want to encourage you, any person that I talk to who's 18, 19, 20, 25 years old, I want to encourage you to study your legacy, to know from where you have come. And here's why I say this. Your life, for better or worse, is connected to those who have come before you. And if you can commit yourselves to these two things, you'll do really well when you think about the legacy that you leave. Number one, you build on godly aspects of your legacy. Some of you have that grandmother, that, that aunt, that mother, that father, somebody who was just a godly figure and a godly influence in your life. Some of you don't have that. Some of you, maybe you are a first-generation Christian in your family, right? So you were the first one. You look back in the, in the legacy before you, and you don't have a godly legacy to build on. But we build on the godly aspects that you have, and you repent of the ungodly aspects in your legacy, 
So often I find, especially young people, they find themselves walking and stumbling in the dark in areas that if they would do a little bit of study, they would realize, wait a minute, I'm, st I'm struggling in the same way that was common to my father and to his father and to the father before him. There is a generational line that for better or worse, you are a part of. So you want to study it. You want to understand it. Let me give you an example from this uh, family that we're looking at today. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, right after getting a wonderful promise from God, Abraham commits a weird sin. It's a sin I've never been tempted to do. But here's what it, what it pretty much went to. They were moving into a strange land, and he's looking at these, these, these big, scary people, and he looks at his wife, and he says, you are really beautiful, and these people are probably going to kill or hurt me to get you, and so let's tell everybody that you're my sister. Do you guys remember that? Okay, it was sort of a weird kind of cowardly thing. And then, and then it actually had some pretty negative consequences, and he had to repent of that and kind of make it right and everything. And then he did it again. He did the same thing again. Now, I think, I don't know, I mean, if I did this to my wife the first time, she would probably say, that was really not a good idea the first time. And if I suggested it again, she would probably say, yeah, we're not going to do that. That's just not going to happen. But if you continue reading, then you find in Genesis chapter 26 that Isaac, who was the son, he did the exact same thing. He found himself in a situation where he's afraid, they're going to hurt me, they're going to kill me because my wife is beautiful, and so let's just say, you're my sister and everything. He did the same lie. And I remember reading that the first time I read through, I said, wait a minute, I always thought that was Abraham who did it. And then I realized, wait a minute, it is. He did the same thing as his father. A part of Isaac's big faith legacy was determined by both the faith and the failures of Abraham. So what, then when the pressure increased, Isaac defaulted to deception just like his father had done. Now think about this for a moment. If I've got you thinking and your wheels are spinning a little bit, Isaac defaulted to deception just like his father had done. Drop it down another generation, and now we've got Jacob, who is known as, does any of you Bible scholars know? The deceiver. And he's refining the sins of the father and the father before him. So what's going to happen? Well, this continues to happen until he literally wrestles with God and walks away as a changed person with a changed name. Now think about this for a moment. If you are in fact connected to the legacy of your father and your mother and your father's father and mother, and all the way back down the line. I wonder if in your generation, and if in your time, it may be that in wrestling with God, you would actually walk away saying, I will be the first in my line to stop falling into these default things. I'll be the first man in my line to be faithful to my wife, because my father wasn't, and his father wasn't, and his father wasn't either. I'll be the first woman in my line to not be gossiping and tearing down my friends because my mom did it and my grandma did and right down the line. I'll be the first one to stand up and be obedient in the place where perhaps those behind me or before me have failed so that those who will come behind me will not have to build on a legacy of my failure but on a legacy of blessing. Does that resonate with you? Can you... Can you can you open your mind to that reality? I'm, and I'm asking the question legitimately because I'm not sure if when I was 19 or 20, if I could fully get it. And yet, that's the perfect time to get it. 
to start saying, you know what, by God's grace, and I'm just going to go off on another little tangent for just a moment. You know, I deal with people all the time. I used to love working with college students because everybody was 18 to 24. Everybody communicated the same. Pretty much you're all going through the same basic issues in life. You're trying to figure out identity and job stuff. And, you know, what I mean, it's, a, it's the same kind of issues. Now I'm dealing with people. And you know what I find myself saying a lot? I sit down with a guy who's 40 or 50 years old and I say, I wish I could have had this conversation with you when you were 20. I, I literally say it. That ain't, that ain't a joke. I wish I could have this conversation with you when you were 19. Before some of that kind of clay gets really hardened in your heart and everything gets kind of established, that you could now actually ask God to set a trajectory that would bless those that would come after you instead of hinder them or hurt them. So study your legacy. Now, if you want another quick example, you could talk about the sin of nepotism, favoritism that plagued this family. We see this other issue. We could save it for another sermon, but favoritism in the family line. Jacob was the favorite son of Rebecca, uh, son of Rebecca who married Rachel, the favorite daughter of Laban. And although Jacob had 12 sons, he had a favorite son. And the favorite son, do you know? Joseph, he gets the coat and all that kind of stuff. Actually, he's coming up in the series in a little bit. And, and that whole favoritism thing, it didn't cause any family issues, right? No problems there, right? Of course it did. It caused major issues. So we want to study our legacy. We want to understand that our life, for better or worse, is connected to those who would come before us. And then here's the last one. I'm going to do it real quick. I want to encourage you today to safeguard your legacy. It's not too early to think about this. To choose to pass on a blessing that will shape... Now listen to this. This is important. Choose to pass on a blessing that will shape the identity and the destiny of the next generation. Now, in case I need to say it, let me just say it. Some of you are not going to have kids, so you say, well, I don't have to worry about it. Of course you do. You are going to influence the next generation whether you're a parent or not. It's just if you're a parent, you've got a front row seat to a couple special, important relationships that you need to nurture and develop. But whether you're a parent or not, you're going you're gonna to reach the next generation. In fact, some of the most fruitful ministry people I know, they don't have biological kids of their own. But they are safeguarding and passing on a blessing that is shaping the identity and the, and the destiny of the next generation. And I want you to look at verse 20 in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, here's Isaac's big moment. It says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. My wife and I have been reading a book called The P Power of a Parent's Blessing by Craig Hill. And he has a very basic definition. He says, blessing is God using a human being to impart his message and his image of identity and destiny to the heart of another person. Some of you have had that kind of person who has passed on a blessing to you because they have shaped in you an image of a godly identity and a godly destiny. And you're, you're already bearing the fruit of that. But cursing is this, that the enemy, Satan, would use a human being to impart his message and his image of identity and destiny into the heart of another person. This is an exact uh, issue of John 10.10. 10. John 10.10 10 says that the, the thief, this is Jesus' words, he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and life to the full or abundant and so this is what we're talking about, this passing on of a curse or passing on of a blessing. And Craig Hill writes this. He says, God has established the power of blessing and meant it to function in every family on earth. Blessing is a, God's primary mechanism of imparting his image, that is thoughts, feelings, and experience of identity, the question, who am I, and destiny, why am I here, 
deep into a person's heart. You know what I understand as I look at young people in the next generation? We're still asking the same questions. What in the world am I here for? And who am I? And think about this for just a moment. If you can just get your head around all of the political noise and all of the cultural disruption that we live in and that you're trying to do adulthood in. I realize this is a weird time to be alive. But if you think about that and you think about circumstances that you know about and ask the question, how would that have been different if someone had imparted a blessing instead of a curse? The epidemic of fatherlessness in our world. How would that be different if someone would say, stand up and say, I'm going to impart a blessing instead of a curse. The epidemic of hopelessness and despair that even in your generation, you know, we're the, we're the best connected, loneliest people we've ever seen. Why is that? The blessing that is missing. So I want you to think about this very seriously today. What does that mean for us to say, you know, I'm going to choose Yes, to steward my legacy, to study my legacy. Some of you maybe got a little homework to do, but to safeguard your legacy. And one of those things is simply to say, God, by your grace, help me to be the kind of leader, the kind of man, the kind of woman who would pass on a blessing to those who would come after me. I want to give you one last example, and I'll close with this. The interesting thing about kids, my kids began to impact my big faith journey before I had them. And this I think you can actually relate to. Even if you say, man, I don't know. Am I going to have kids someday? Am I going to get married? I don't know. I was at a place when I was about 20. I got married when I was 25. And uh, I was out of school. I'd gotten engaged to Amy, the lovely woman that you saw in the picture who I met here. We walk around like this, even then. And... uh, we're, we're thinking about family, we're thinking about, uh, about marriage, we're thinking about future and all that kind of stuff. And admittedly, we were struggling. We were struggling. You know, it's, it's hard being in love with somebody and you want to be with them and physically there's temptations and it was, it was tough. You know, we were having a hard time. And, and I started thinking a little bit. God got my attention as we were kind of praying through and working through. And, and God said to me, what kind of legacy do you want to pass on to your kids? What kind of story do you want to tell? I never had kids. They weren't even there yet. So I started thinking about that. And we started praying about that and everything. And what I realized is that that, that, that thought actually began to anchor me and actually began to point me in a, in a healthier direction. Because I wanted to do the right thing. And I know most of you are here. We want to do the right thing, but we struggle and things are hard. And so we're wrestling. And that thought was an anchoring thought to me. What story do you want to tell your kids? What do you want to pass on to them? Now, none of us are in danger of passing on a story of perfection to our kids. I couldn't do that. You're not going to be able to do that or whatever. But here's what we could do to say, God, by God's grace, we endeavored in every step to pass on a legacy of blessing to you. We endeavored to pursue obedience even when it was hard. We saved ourselves for one another, even to marriage. Some of you say, well, you know, that, that line's been crossed. I don't know what to do. Well, then you know what you can pass on? You can pass on a legacy of grace. We can pass on a legacy of grace to the next generation to say, okay, here's my story. Where I fell short, and we've all fallen short, I fall on the grace of Christ. And you know what? When you struggle, when you grapple, when you wrestle, when you fall on your face, I want you to know that grace too. 
I want you to know a grace that's actually even bigger than your failure. So all of a sudden, my kids start impacting my faith legacy, big faith journey before we had them. And I think the, the challenge question is, well, what kind of legacy do you want to pass on? So church, would you challenge yourself and would you allow the Spirit of God to, to poke and prod and, and, and do what He wants to do with that question in your life?